Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his genes from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to week 12 of the Big Eats Barroom presented by SeatGeek. Use the code BEBR at checkout to get $20 off of your first purchase. Happy Championship Sunday for all those who celebrate. They call it that because the national champion played today, I'm presuming. Ryan, how are you doing on this fine January afternoon? I'm doing not bad. We got to see Patrick Mahomes win his ballgame. About an hour ago, and now we are watching Jared Goff is leading uh, the 49ers pretty strongly. So I'm in good shape on both of my bets for today. Here's hoping we finish strong. You'll know by the end of the podcast if I start crying if the Lions end up losing this game. As long as the Lions cover seven and a half points, I'll be happy. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're watching the greatest quarterback of all time at me on that one. Um, and you also hate Patrick Holmes, confirm or deny. I hate him because he's too good, and I'm a Tom Brady fan, and I don't want him to surpass Tom Brady as the GOAT. But all of that is to say I acknowledge he is the most talented quarterback I've ever seen with my two eyes. He's incredible. Speaking of the GOAT, we had 11 GOATs play this weekend. Is that fair to say? Or 11 GOATs play this week? No, that's not. Um, it um, have 11 GOATs. There's some really bad teams in the Big East right now, actually. <laughs> so. yeah, well, there's one really bad team in the Big East, and – a few not good teams. I will say on a national level, it was nice to see us be recognized. Um, although that was all about storylines in that Providence Georgetown game, but it was nice to see everyone was paying attention to that game. Um, and I think Fox FS Fox butchered a lot of the broadcast. However, um, you know, the eyes of college bass were on the big East for one night. So do we want to jump right into it? Start with Providence Friars, put three minutes on the clock and, uh, we can go over their their week. Let's do it. So Providence goes 2-0 this week. Could have been our team of the week, but we t- picked another 2-0 team. They beat Seton Hall 67-63 without Kadari Richmond at Seton Hall. And then they won the biggest homecoming of all time, 84-76 to against Georgetown. I mean, we can talk Seton Hall. We can talk Devin Carter. We can talk Ed Cooley. Where do you want to start? Uh, yeah, I think the first thing we should talk about is Ed Cooley. Chronologic what? podcast. <laughs> What? Reverse final out. Reverse, Reverse final. Uh, you know, that's obviously the major storyline, and the Providence fans showed up for that one. That looked like a raucous scene. There was some fun chants going on, um, but they did a good job, and they never got out of control. There were no, no beers that hit the court, which was what we all wanted to see because, you know, the last thing you want is for this game to go. Oh, do you have a hot take? Oh, I thought you said we all wanted to see beers hit the floor, and I was like, absolutely not. No, I did not want to see that. I, I'll echo that. I thought the Providence fans um, don't care what you yell. Don't care what you do. Just make sure you don't cross the line. And I thought they towed, they didn't even really tow the line um, from all the videos I've seen. It looks like an incredible environment. I wish it shined through on FS1 a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Watching it at home. It, it didn't come through. Devin Carter in that game. I mean, like build the statue now. Just uh, when you talk about big time performances and emotional situations in a game, they cannot lose both because they get knocked out of the NCAA tournament and because then Ed Cooley with the smug look and it's going to be terrible. 
Um, and he just showed the fuck up in the last like five minutes of that game, took it over, ends up with like 29 points. And watching Devin Carter hit that three with Cooley on that, like it, it was a pra- it was like, I knew you were going to be this good moment from Ed. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like this is the guy I recruited. Uh, Devin Carter is single-handedly keeping his team into the NCAA tournament discussion. Uh, 29 points against um, Georgetown and played really well against Seton Hall as well. Are you giving Ed Cooley any of the credit for any of the stuff that uh, at the Providence game, the atmosphere he referenced, he should get some credit for Devin Carter. Maybe you think he should get credit for that. Um, maybe the, Dev- maybe the recruitment of Devin Carter, but I'm not going to give Ed Cooley any of his flowers during the Providence segment. Um, I, I think the way he handled things was preposterous. Um, but yet to be, they won against Seton Hall, which is a borderline tournament team as well. Basketball wise, you know, this team still lacks a dr- dribble drive penetration. Um, it's a lot of passing around and then hoping Josh Adore was masterful in the game, um, against Georgetown against who I think Supreme Cook is a pretty good uh defender post defender um he's at least physical so hey two big wins they need to keep it going they play UConn on Wednesday at Gamble yeah they're not gonna win that game uh they don't need to win that game so it's not a problem but they feed off the dunks energy so they are much closer looking at the game where UConn comes to the dunk I don't see them win when they're on the road at UConn but I, I let me. The last thing I'll say is big props to the Providence players in a game where that could have gotten really emotional and you could have got a little chirpy and you could have forgot it was a basketball game. They stayed true to themselves. They won a game in which you know they they stayed poised is kind of what I'm saying. Um, when you know Ed Cooley left them as much as he left Providence too. I know that maybe not. You know he doesn't harbor ill will against them, but. You know, they could be they could have taken that really personally, and I thought they handled it really well. All right, let's flip it around. Let's uh let's jump over to Georgetown Hoyas, talk about it from the other side, put three minutes on the clock. And uh they played another game this week. They went 0-2 this week. They lost 66 to 90 against Butler, and then they lost Ed Cooley's homecoming. Uh I don't have a ton of takeaways again in the Butler game, but you know, maybe you do. I thought that was one of the more disappointing games of the season. Uh to get blown out like that at home against a Butler team that was struggling a little bit. Now Butler goes and, and beats Villanova, so it doesn't look as bad. But at the time, Butler was ninth in the Big East, eighth in the Big East, and to get blown out by 24 points. I mean, your defense, you're not trying when you give up 90 points. It's not a scheme issue. It's an effort issue at that point. You know, the scheme, if, if they get 75, you talk about the scheme. They get 90 points. The guys just aren't giving the effort that is necessary. I think Ed Cooley is surprised at how bad it has turned out. 57% shooting you allowed a Butler. Uh, not good. Um, Butler has talent, but not that much. Jaden up shot four of 19 in this game. But I really think that, you know, the game that said a lot about this team and about what the culture Ed Cooley's trying to present there was the Providence game. Again, that could have been a really ugly, in-your-face but both teams came out and Jaden Epps, you know, they were up. They got to 69 points first. I said that the other day. They, you know, this team was on the verge of winning that game. They just don't have enough talent down the stretch other than Jaden Epps. They don't have enough scoring. Yeah, absolutely. I also think to some degree they fed off the energy the same way Providence did, where I was just talking about the effort being an issue against Butler. Um, the effort was a lot higher against Providence. I think that had to do with how emotional the situation was. Um, so I think they, they got a boost off that as well. That was probably the best defense they've played all season. 
that's one of those. Is it is their defense really good or is Providence offense still an issue? It's I a mean, fair point. It's not a bad point, but I, I do think Georgetown they they played uh, better. Yeah, yeah, they played better. Um, Thoughts on Ed Cooley, how he handled himself. Um, Ed Cooley continues to have the weirdest pressures in the world. Um, I think him saying one of the things he should have been saying that to his, I don't mean this the way that it's, he should say that to his, like you say that to a friend when you say I sh- I'm responsible for some of this, you know, you don't, you know how much you're disliked. I think he kind of is feeding into it. Um, he had a smile on his face a few times where he was like that knowing smile and, or he's just kind of delusional about um, what's going on. And, the fact that he really never apologized, I thought his best quote was, you have a great coach, don't worry about the asshole who left. Yeah, it's an all-time quote, and it does show. I mean, at least I loved Ed Cooley when he was at Providence. He is a seems like a really good man. I think he left Providence in a way where he's surprised at how much they dislike him, and he doesn't think it's deserved. And so he keeps trying to kind of play it off and be like, I built this guy to remember. He needs to remember there's no soundbite that is going to get them to forgive him. Um, watch Divine Providence if you want to hear about maybe Ed Cooley not being a good person. Can't watch Divine Providence anymore. But the great thing is we're going to get to see him visit Providence once a year for the next 15 years, 10 years. And uh, it should always be really good viewing because even though the Providence teams will change, the fans will remember. And uh... I hope Ed Cooley goes to DePaul after this um, so that he could just make every fan base dislike him as he leaves leave in the worst way possible of georgetown say that so syracuse syracuse comes back to the big east and he leaves georgetown for syracuse yes and he says jim Beheim was my idol growing up all right right who do you want to do you want to talk about next um we touched on him a little bit earlier let's do villanova uh in the running for the worst week them in Georgetown, but Georgetown is more expectation. Villanova got blown the hell out against St. John's 50 to 70 at the garden. And then they lost a double overtime thriller to Butler 81 to 88, which you will hear about the hero from that game. You'll hear from him later in the episode, right? Uh, Villanova's bad. Um, they're not good. Um, they don't play great basketball. No, um, they, they have one really good player. His name is Eric Dixon. He cannot win the games by himself. Uh, despite sure as I'll try. Yeah, and Kyle Neptune expects him to, but the rest of the team is this. They don't know what they're doing, and they just don't have the level of offensive talent, which I, I actually am surprised about because they seem like they did early in the season. But they look pitiful this week. Um, And me and you talked on this a little bit. They're still trying to play Villanova basketball. Um, The culture, but Villanova basketball worked because you had Jalen Brunson and Colin Gillespie and Ryan Archidiakono. Villanova basketball isn't a plug and play all the time. I can't run in there and pump fake people to death and back them down and hope that we win, you know, we win basketball games. It seems like Kyle Neptune's coaching strategy was hope that Jay Wright's coaching strategy is good enough to carry me. And it's just, I don't, it's just not, they don't seem prepared for a lot of games. I, don't, I think that is a fair point. I do think he genuinely believes in the Villanova style, right? He talks about he grew up in this program. I think he got his first position with Villanova when he was like 20 years old. He learned basketball, you know, the technical aspects of basketball in the Villanova program. But he's asking a bunch of guys who have only been here for one year, you know, TJ Bamba, Tyler Burton, or, you know, Justin Moore never has looked. 
quite right, Lance, where he's asking a bunch of guys who, who don't really know how to play Villanova basketball to plug in and play it as a starter. And all you're getting is these guys who look like they're afraid to make mistakes. That's what I see when I see him on the court is like, Nobody will do it, will try anything because their understanding of Villanova basketball is you don't turn the ball over, you don't take contested shots, you know, you you pass the ball, all these things. I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong on the stat, but I believe that it said that Villanova's attempted the eighth most threes in the country and they've made like the 225th most. Stop. I And then his quote this week is, you know, someone said you're shooting bad. He said, yeah, that's, yeah, we do shoot bad. It's like, well, then why are you taking the eighth most threes in the freaking country? I mean, like, I I get it, but if you're not a shooting team, you need to figure out something else. Tyler Burton should be slashing into the hole every single time. That is a dude. And we have him sitting in the corner by himself. But it's that's not Villanova ball. basketball, right? Villanova yeah. basketball isn't heavy cutting, slashing. And I, I, I'm not that I disagree with what you're saying, but you're asking Tyler Burton to fit into a system he doesn't really fit into. Well, this is what they did with Cam Whitmore last year, too. They tried to put a square peg into a round hole and say, you will. They tried to do what the Patriots do. They tried to say, we are bigger than the, you know, the players. We are bigger. Well, maybe if you have Jay Wright convincing you or Bill Belichick, but when you have Kyle Neptune trying to convince players to buy into a system that hasn't worked under Kyle Neptune, it's not going to work. Yeah, I think it's different when you have these guys from the time they're freshmen and they can mold their game into Villanova basketball. It's different when you're asking these guys to come in who already have established games, they're seniors, it's their last year of college basketball, and now expect them to learn the entire system and, you know, perform that way. They were up 11 with four minutes to go, Ryan, against Butler. They had a 96.5% chance to win. Got to do better. Uh, let's move over. We, we touched on them a little bit. Also, St. John's, who gave Villanova that smack into the – they only played one game this week, correct? They did. They played the one game at the Garden this week, and they won – 70 to 50 against St. John's, uh, an utter masterclass defensively. I know you had a few threads on it. Yeah, I did do a little bit of a deep dive on that defense, and I thought it was their best defensive performance of the season. Um, what I love about Rick Pitino is he has so many ways he can beat you defensively. So he's got the full court press, which everybody is familiar with. He's got the matchup zone, but he doesn't go to the matchup zone much in this game. Instead, he's, he's switching on man-to-man. He's not letting Eric Dixon get the pick-and-pop going. He's doubling on the guards when the especially it seemed like Neptune was trying to isolate Dennis Jenkins in the post. He was sending doubles to help Jenkins so that you couldn't play Villanova basketball like that. Uh, it, schematically, I thought it was one of the the most interesting defensive games I've seen all season. And it worked. St. John's is still a lot of up and down. Is you know there is a roller coaster. They were coming off, I believe, three straight losses, two straight losses. Um, Three. Joel Soriano, 21 and nine in this game. If if the big man's eating down there, keep feeding him the ball because he, he has a nose for the basketball. And he just like, it's like his, I know this is stupid because at this level, everyone's hand-eye coordination, but his ability, he just has like a nose, his motor. Um, those things are never in question. And he has strong hands. Like when he gets to the ball on the rim, it's not bouncing off his hands. And when, you know, it's a little bit of a tie up and other people are, are hitting the ball, he has really strong hands, and it's an impressive uh, trait that he's worked on. Um, R.J. Lewis got the start this week, which I thought was really interesting to see. I've loved him. He's one of the most dynamic players in the Big East. He shot 3 of 12 in this game. I'm just saying, I mean, I think R.J. Lewis is really good, too. Uh, 3 of 12, and then uh, 
it wasn't their best shooting game. Um, other than Joel Soriano, they really struggled. Uh, Jordan Dingle got up a lot of shots. I like to see that. They're not a great shooting team. They're a great offensive rebounding team. They don't have to be a great shooting team when you have Chris Ledlum and Joel Soriano going in the paint and getting your rebounds for you. I mean, they're two of the best offensive rebounders in the country. I mean, Joel Soriano is the second best offensive rebounder only behind the national player of the year. And uh, Chris Ledlum's a very good offensive rebounder for his position as well. Right. Based on expectations coming into the season, would you say St. John's has outperformed, underperformed, or performed where you thought they'd be? As of today. As of t- season ends right now. As you mentioned, it's been a roller coaster. As of today, I'm saying underperformed because they're bubbly um, for the NCAA tournament, and you really wanted Rick Pitino to get you into the NCAA tournament. But, I, I mean, they're trending in the correct direction, so. Yeah, I believe they're right now confirmed that they're – I mean, not confirmed, but they're solidly in. But I think they're a nine seed, which you, some bad losses take you off of that bubble. Okay, Ty, your pick. What team do you want to talk about next? I want to talk about a team that could have been team of the week, um, but their two wins are not measuring up to what we saw from Butler. I want to talk about the Creighton Blue Jays. Um, what, a, Creighton, what a weird way to introduce them. Like a little dig in there. It's it's that Butler's wins are better. Creighton did what they were supposed to do and went 2-0. Um, they went 2-0, 85-78 against Xavier and 85-62 against DePaul. Uh this team is clicking offensively, and especially after that 48-point performance they put up against UConn. Yeah, and and uh, their starters are just – I like Bailey Shireman and Ryan Cochran in that Xavier game were excellent. I think they might have played just about the entire game. I don't know if you have the stats there in front of you. But once again, Bailey Shireman's played like 99.5% of all possible minutes in the month of January. Uh, actually, DePaul messes up that stat because of the garbage time. Um, I mean, they beat two teams that are not as good as them, but that's a very good thing to be able to say about Creighton because they are confidently better than both of those teams. Yes. Uh, minutes played in this game, Cockburner 38, Ashworth 30, uh, Shireman 40, Trey Alexander 39. Uh, they are going to ride these three until the wheels fall off. My biggest concern with them will continue to be their uh, bench depth. Three points off their bench in this game out of the 85 that was scored. I have to ignore most of the DePaul game results because it's DePaul right now. Um, and they're currently operating with an interim coach. Not that their real coach was better. Um, yet yeah, they're going to ride these guys until the wheels fall off. And I think that Baylor Shireman has just said, I know this, is, this reference will only hit you probably because I don't know how many people listen to baseball. They're riding him like the Brewers road, CC Sabathia down the stretch. They're saying, you're our best shot, bud. You're going in, and we're just going to keep throwing you every three days. I don't care if your arm falls off or not. And he's a lefty. That's, that's such a niche uh, reference, but it's a good one. Tom, I'm going to ask you the same question you asked me. If the season ended today, overperform, underperform, or right down the middle on Creighton? I'd have to say underperformed uh, only because I thought that this team was a top 10 team in the country, and I think they've shown they there is levels here um, to their – you know, to the, you know, they're a different tier than the UConn Purdue um, ranking. I thought they were right there. And Stephen Ashworth is playing better, but I really thought Stephen Ashworth was going to come in and win transfer of the year. I thought he was that good of a shooter at Utah State. So Trey Alexander's given me what I thought he would. Baylor Shireman has been an Ironman. Cockbrenner has had an up and down season, but overall, I'd say he's been about where you want him to be. The bench depth has been disappointing as well. I really thought, I really liked Farabello. I really like Frederick King. I kind of like Isaac Trout too. And 
the three of them are just kind of not giving you any points off the bench. I know they're chipping in another way. So I'll go a little bit underperformed. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I think like also trending in the right direction. They're seven and one over the last eight games. Yeah. Like also who the hell cares of what I'm saying on January 28th. I'm, you know, uh, UConn at certain points last year was underperforming and they won a national championship. It doesn't matter what you're doing on January 28th. And Creighton has not buried itself and is still in position to be a top three seed, top four seed. And, you know, we just saw last year, a four seed win the championship. Creighton's in a fine position. They're trending in the right way. Just as the season ended right now, I'd say underperformed. What do you think their ceiling is in the NCAA tournament? NCAA tournament is a little bit of a more fluid game. Uh, a little more shooting guard heavy. They have pretty good guard. If you, you know, Trey Alexander. Yeah. Why can't they play in the second weekend? Um, I just don't think, I mean, if they run into another Big East team, I think that's the biggest worry. If they run into a UConn or, um, maybe a Marquette or something like that. I think that's their biggest hurdle. It would be really fun to see them uh, if they get Purdue, Ryan Cockburner versus Zachary. You wouldn't need a double. No. I mean, he's about, I, there's not a lot of guys in the country I'd take over Ryan Cockburner trying to guard Zachary. Yeah, no, that's a really good really good point. I think um, there's two Big East teams that are salivating. Salivating? That can't be that word. Salivating? Sal- salivating? Salivating about um, playing Purdue improving with their big man they're just as good um you want to let's uh, do xavier which was kind of an interesting week after they had had a big win against butler the week prior and you know all of a sudden we're talking ncaa tournament again right we're talking outside chance they went only two this week they lose at creighton and then they just got demolished at uconn earlier today in what was one of the ugliest games you'll ever see. You didn't need to watch past the first 10, 15 minutes because that game was over quick. Um, if you could have ranked biggest losers this week, it probably is Xavier and Villanova right next to each other. Um, they played Creighton pretty well, 78-85. Um, their loss, I mean, they got 40-piece by UConn. UConn took their starters out with 10 minutes to go. Um, this was a, And Xavier's a good team. I think we'll talk more about that when we get to UConn. Yeah, they, they're they trying to ride their three guys as far as they can go, too. They're kind of Creighton, but not with, um, I don't want to say with worse players, but with, you know, just different types of players that are just not able, don't have the same experience right now. Yeah, and they came out, figure out their four spot. I mean, they started Galen Swain in their four in both of the games this week. I think uh, the previous game against Creighton, there was an injury, and I think they just decided to ride with him. Um, for the UConn game, he's not giving them much. You know, they keep bringing in the European guys. They're not giving them much. Unless you have a great shooting night, a really good shooting night from Quincy Oliveri or Davion McKnight or preferably both, it's just they, they have a hard time scoring. Yeah, and and you saw that today. I mean, UConn kind of blitzed them right off the bat, but they just couldn't get any of their shots to fall. I believe they had seven points with like under the eight timeout. Um, it was 31 to seven. You know, this this team struggles, and then UConn had the size to be able to match up with them, too. I do think the Creighton game is a lot more indicative of what they are. I think that they're a pretty decent Big East team. They're, like, right in that middle. Um, I know they're 10-10 and 10 right now, but I think that's more indicative of who they are. I don't think they're a team that gets 40-pieced, um, unless UConn really is just that good, which I have no idea, and we'll see later. I mean, I 
think UConn's the best team in the country. They're playing at home. I agree with you. I'm not really concerned about that game overall, except for it was a, a missed opportunity to get yourself in the NCAA tournament if they grab that Q1A win. Um, but the Creighton game, like, that's a game you really would have liked to have because that's a Q1 game on the road. And you need to build your resume at this point because they still have a shot at the NCAA tournament, which is really strange. They're 10 and 10. And I don't bet against Sean Miller because I think he's one of the best coaches in the country. So they need and to grab one coming up. I think they got St. John's, DePaul, and Villanova. And they'd really like to go 3-0 there. They were winning this game um, with nine minutes to go, and then they were within two with two minutes to go, the Creighton game. So you're right. I think that might have put them in the tournament on the right side of the bubble. So you got to eventually grab one of these games that you're talking about. At home, St. John's is their next game. If they can win that, and then they go play DePaul the following game. Yeah, ride a two-game winning streak. But St. John's is going to be hungry for that game, too. They don't want to be approaching the bubble. I think they're firmly in, and Xavier's firmly out right now. Yeah, but the time for moral victories is long gone for Xavier. They need to win. They need to win now. Oh, they, need, yes. they need to win yesterday. Yes. No, there is no more. It does not matter. It does not matter. They need to win. It could be a one-point win against DePaul. They need to win every single night. Yep, absolutely. Um. I don't know. You want to do DePaul next? Nobody's ever been excited to talk three minutes on DePaul, but we could do it. Yeah, I mean, DePaul under Brady this week went um, 0-2. They lost 73-86 to against Marquette, and they lost 62-85 to against Creighton. I think it's much more interesting to talk about their head coaching search, but we can't do that for the rest of the year because they fire them with so much time left. I don't know. You allow Creighton to put up 85 points, and you only put up 62 um, and they, nobody they had a little fight against Marquette. You got to give them credit. That was actually a, a, a relatively close game in the second half. I mean, relatively for a DePaul game. I'm trying to pull up the uh, exact moment I'm referring to. Yeah, I mean, listen, we've said that they have some offensive talent. Jalen Terry came into that game and shot in 7 of 12, 6 of 8 from 3. It's good to see him finally healthy. Um, Jeremiah Oden put up 19 points in that game as well. I want to say the problem is in a – talent issue but it is a talent issue too um deshaun nelson coming off the bench try so we hate that because we're a deshaun nelson pod yeah that's not good for anybody because now you're just losing the only reason to turn on to paul basketball which is deshaun nelson, deshaun uh, nelson. Ty, are they knocking somebody off in the big east this season uh I, do you think providence fans have tuned out yet <laughs> you think they're knocking off providence i if devin carter has an off night yeah, I mean, like, that's uh, them and Georgetown. I mean, obviously, they already played Georgetown at uh, Georgetown. Providence already beat DePaul at DePaul. Rich Barron won freshman of the week for putting up. Yeah, up. but. Oh, come on. DePaul is not going into the dunk. A sleepy dunk. Carter. A sleepy dunk? Get out of here. It's a sleepy day. dunk. They think it's DePaul. It's it's the, after the Ed Cooley game. I don't know if it's after the Ed Cooley game. Um, No, they're not. They're not going to be named. Oh, you know what? They might win. Because, and we'll have to talk about this team again, they freaking played Seton Hall on Tuesday, and Seton Hall without Kadari Richmond is a different basketball team. I still don't think they're beating Seton They're Hall. not going to win, but they just played a 13-point game against Marquette. Their game at home against Georgetown is the winless bowl. That's the game they have good. to win. Huh? Georgetown's, like, decent. Jaden no, Epps might be able to win by himself. I absolutely agree. Georgetown is much better than DePaul, but that's their best chance of winning a game at home. Hey, listen, Chicago, if you're listening, pack the Wintrust for that game. 
Yeah, did you hear what Ed, right, did you hear what Ed Cooley said about DePaul? He didn't say anything, but let's just get them just as mad. And they shoved. Did you hear that he was actually screwing over DePaul in this all? Didn't, didn't he promise to go to DePaul and he, resurrect their program? He took the job at DePaul. Then he said, I want to keep Tony Stebblefield on. Never mind. He set you guys back years. And then he put his house up for sale in Chicago. It's two months. To- we should start a narrative. We're going to start a narrative today. All right. That's three minutes on DePaul. That's all anybody could ever ask for. Um, but you touched on Seton Hall, which is a much more interesting team to talk about. You want to jump over there? Yeah, they – geez, I feel like I said this about four times. You want to talk biggest losers again, and part of it is the Kadari Richmond stuff, but um, they lost twice this week, 63-67 to against the fighting Devin Carters of Providence, and then they got absolutely blown out against Marquette at Pfizer, 75-57. Uh, to um, This team looks so different without Kadari Richmond and to have no clarity on what's going on with the Kadari Richmond situation is absolutely insane at this point. Yeah, the Kadari Richmond drama is one of the more interesting storylines of the Big East season. I'm here for it. We got from um, somebody close to the Seton Hall program that he was actually warming up for the Providence game before telling Shaheen Holloway during warmups, yeah, actually, I'm not going to go tonight. So Shaheen Holloway had no preparation time knowing that Kadari Richmond wasn't going to play. And you can kind of hear that when Shaheen Holloway answers these questions, where he keeps saying, I don't know where we are. You know, I, 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 it is what it is. I would never want to assume anything about a player's physical health. These guys are physical specimens where I am 5'11". Um, they are elite, elite, elite. They know their bodies. However, the, the report was soreness, general soreness. And if... Kadari Richmond isn't willing to play through the general soreness right now. I really had thought he had turned a corner. Um, it seemed like he was absolutely captaining and leading this team. And if he is unable to battle through the general soreness of a Big East season where he's done it twice before, I'm worried. Now, maybe there's something else going on that we don't know about. However, I can only go with the information that I'm given. Yeah, it feels just... a lot like Bryce Aiken. What happened with Bryce Aiken? When he got... Uh, got the concussion and then he just couldn't play and then we couldn't get the updates on what was going on with Bryce Aiken for like the longest time. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a similar situation. I think he was never medically cleared. I think Bryce Aiken would have loved to play. Uh, he was like I a like, sixth year, but I love just talking about Bryce Aiken every time I get the opportunity. Well, we should bring him up. You remember the Twitter account? It was, is Bryce Aiken playing basketball today? Just no, no, no. I remember what was his face? Greg the kid from Marquette, that baby face, Greg Elliott gave him the concussion. Uh, yeah, they're going to keep losing games if Kadari doesn't come back because Kadari was my biggest player of the year before he started sitting out these games. He's so important to this team, and down the stretch, offensively, he is their offense. It's just give him the ball on a pick and roll and let him make the decision. Yeah, but you, have to have other player, you have to have other players step up. Dylan Adewusu, Alamir Dawes, Jaden Bediaku. I mean, even Hutchinson's Everett is playing really well. You got to have these guys step up, and Listen, they should have won that Providence game. Um, but you're right. Their offense wasn't great to begin with. And without the best player maybe in the Big East, I don't think you know they're going to win many games. They need him back. They played DePaul. Maybe get one more sit day, and then you need him back coming soon. Yeah, I think I think they're probably in the NCAA tournament either way because of those huge wins they racked up early in the season. But 
they're not going to you know do anything in the NCAA tournament without Kadari either. So this the really Seton Hall season is hinging, and this would drive me crazy if I'm a fan or a student at Seton Hall. The fact that I don't know what's going on with Kadari. There's a lot of uh, you know miscommunication, and uh, it's pretty much the entire season is whether or not he comes back. Right. When this thing eventually crashes and burns, Big East Barroom, Twitter, whatever, we should just go and just write a book about every interesting thing we know. Um, because Kadari Richmond is one of the most interesting players in the Big East, I'll say. Eccentric. Um, he has strong uh, takes sometimes. Yes. And an interesting player. Right. If we're going to talk about Seton Hall and some of their losses this week, I think we need to talk about a team that found right of the ship a little bit and that's the marquette golden eagles with two wins this week both of the double digit variety beating depaul at Wintrust, and then beating seton hall at pfizer um teams starting around in a form which is odd because they're shortening their rotation down to about seven players now well they've lost half of their backups they lost their two best backups so they don't i mean i don't know how many slander won't stand sean jones and chase ross chase ross who's going to win sixth man of the year um so I, I I don't know if they have enough scholarship players to go deeper than that right now, but they got two wins. You had to win against DePaul, and then Seton Hall at home without Kadari Richmond is almost a must win. And also, I mean, the metrics won't look at it without Kadari, but in terms of you know watching them play, you can't lose that game. Um, that Mark, to be fair, when we say must wins for most of these teams, we're talking about NCAA tournament. Marquette could lose that game and still be in the NCAA tournament. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, must win to be where you want to be. Yeah, there's just different levels of must win at this point of the season, um, which I think is important. Um, yeah, uh, I mean. Completely fair point. No, they, they had to win that game if they wanted to stay ranked, if they wanted to continue to see themselves as a Final Four caliber team. You can't drop that game. Yeah. Um, it's good to see David Joplin figure out a little bit of his shot. He shot three of eight in the Seton Hall game. Um Tyler Kolick is still having a weird season. His game logs are odd. Uh, four 11, points assists. A, 11 assists against yep. Four points and 11 assists. So he's uh he's doing whatever the team needs to win. And I think that that's from if you watch the games, that's true. But if you are trying to look at his uh, game logs, you're probably a little confused. Is Tyler Kolick first team all Big East if the season ends today? You got to. Well, look at what you probably want to take a player off the second best team in the Big East. No, I think it's Oso if you're going to take a player off them. Oso Godarum is sneaky, like a second-team All-American right now. The dude is unbelievable. He doesn't miss around the rim, um, you know, and he, he gave you 21 points in this game, 10 of 19 shooting. Um, so, haha, he missed nine times. Um, but he's averaging 14 points a game on seven rebounds and shooting 63% with three assists to go with it. Um, this guy's having an All-American type year. And if Zach Yee and Hunter Dickinson weren't dominating the headlines for – College players, we'd be talking about also Godaro as you know maybe a first team All American. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Um, actually, all the way dating back to that Villanova game at home where Villanova just couldn't guard them, and uh, he had a, like about five dunks. He's been fantastic, and I do think you're probably only getting one Marquette guy onto the All Big East first team right now, and I think it's got to be Oso over Kolek at this point. But there's a lot of season left. Yeah, and especially you're going to take a UConn guy, so probably Newton. And if you take Newton, Oso, and then you're going to take Kadari and Devin Carter, now you're you're down to two spots for a lot of players that are deserving, including Joel Soriano. Um, so we'll see what they do. But I would 
I'm never going to bet against Tyler Kolick. I think what he's doing this year is indispensable to the team. I think he's their most indispensable player. I just think Oso might be their best player this year. Yeah, they got Villanova in Georgetown this coming week. Kind of soft spot on their schedule. Um, although they got to go to Villanova, which is always 10 times harder than playing Villanova at your own house. So what teams do we have left? We have the UConn Huskies to talk about. So why don't we put three on the clock and talk about their only game of the week where they beat trounced Xavier 99-56. Right? is it almost fair to say that this game wasn't as close as the final score? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, this one was over really early, which is exactly what I said to us in the Xavier segment. Um, Donovan Klingon, I mean, just incredible, just fantastic. Uh, this was one of his best games of the season. Uh, he looks as good as advertised prior to this season. He looks like a lottery pick, like he's going to be in the NBA next year. And then you add him to a team that was already ranked number one in the country with him injured. Yeah, admittedly, this is a bad matchup for Xavier, who lacks front court players. But I, I think it's probably better we talk about some individual performances than, and like you're doing, um, than the game because the game was over. Uh, that drop step he hit and just put and laid it right in. He his post moves look a lot better than they did, especially earlier in the season. He doesn't look rushed. Um, and Tristan Newton continues to be the st- straw that can stir this drink. I mean, this that dude, his ability to you know, pull up and make a three or get to the hole and finish through a lot of contact. You know, he he's playing at an All-American level and with the team being the best team in the country, he's a, playing at an All-American level for fives. Listen, I love Tristan Newton. Ah. I love UConn. Ah. And, and this is a celebratory segment after you just... Tristan Newton was shooting 33% in conference play. He was shooting 29% from three in conference play. He fell off pretty hard after the non-con. It's great to see him get back on track against Xavier. He's not an All-American anymore at this point. John Fanta is wrong when he put him on there. John Fanta is wrong. Yeah, that's a bad take because uh, Tristan Newton is still averaging 6, 6, and 15. Um, He's asked to shoulder some of the – Jesus, the lines are just self-imploding right now. So sorry that you put this tweet out – this into the world. They just dropped two passes on this drive. Um, They're tied. Tristan Newton is the best player on the best team. Um, And I think that he will be celebrated with an All-American berth um, because that's that's what normally happens. And I I believe he deserves it. Um, 29% from three in Big East play. And and how many of those are chucks at the end of the shot clock because Tristan Newton's the one with the ball? How many of them are? How many of them are? Conspiracy theorist. Anyhow, maybe this is maybe this game is a sign of things to come and he's turning a corner and he's getting back on track. Um. I was watching this game, and one thing that struck me is Alex Caravan, Tristan Newton, and Donovan Klingon are all Big East first-team talents. Yes. Klingon won't get it because of the injury. Are you not putting Cam Spence on there? No, I don't think he's all Big East first-team. But but the three of them, in terms of pure talent, would have themselves on that team. Yeah. The freshman played really well today, I thought, too. Solo ball, it was nice to see him get his first real minutes since Castle has been back. Um, you know, really important. And I think Jalen Stewart was great. Right. That pa- some of those passes today by Castle and Newton for alley-oops, um, you know, just, in- just incredible. You're seeing why Stefan Castle will only be a one-year player in Stores, Connecticut. Yeah. And his defense is really taking a step. He's hounding. They're putting him on the best player now and he's hounding him. He's um, the best defender on the team. Yeah. He's a little different than Andre Jackson, not the pure athleticism, but he, he does remind you just a tad. Because he, 
because he doesn't want to shoot threes and because he's really good defensively. Yeah. And yeah. he's NBA talent and you know, he's, he's their best defender. I agree. Hey, this UConn team, right. Is UConn going to win a national championship? I'm not betting against them right now. I mean, this is, this is the best they've looked in two years during the regular season. Um, Listen, anybody can have a bad shooting night, which is what happened against Villanova. Uh, Cam Spencer shot like one of six from three in that game. Um, So if they have a bad shooting night, of course they could lose in the NCAA tournament in the Sweet 16. But if they have an average shooting night, I don't know how you beat them. Yeah, I mean, if Spencer and Caravan shoot badly, maybe. But Newton and Klingon don't need to shoot consistently, too. And Castle gets to the hole. I mean... I just I'm having a hard time and just keep knocking on wood that injuries don't bite this team. Um, but they fought through that too. They fought through the injury. They've struggled a little bit with physicality on their guards. So that might, you know, if you if you get like uh like a Seton Hall team where it's older, stronger guards, yeah, you can kind of lean on them a little bit, that might be your best bet. That was that that was a Seton Hall game. And I told you even when I watched the Seton Hall game, I said. No worry. They're like this is just that's just the worst game they've played all year. Um, the Kansas game, you know, is a little more worrisome. But they had a played a four point game against maybe the second best team in the country in the, one of the hardest arenas to play in. Second best team. They just lost at uh, Iowa State. I lost some money on that. I did too. I had them. But all right, right. We have talked about ten Big East basketball teams. We have a very special guest joining us for the eleventh Big East basketball team. One of the heroes of the Big East. So stay tuned and listen to Mr. DJ Davis coming at you. All right, Big East Barroom fans, we are excited to announce that we have joined forces and partnered with Home Field Apparel. One of the great things about Home Field Apparel is they cover all 11 Big East teams. I like it because you get the generic shirts from the team store and all this. No. You're going to home field apparel. You're going to be getting a new shirt. You're going to be wearing something unique. People are going to stop you. They're going to say, where'd you get that? You're going to say home field apparel. All right. You're going to say, enter the code B-E-B-R and you get a discount. How about that? And then you're going to take their phone. We've talked a lot about this on the podcast. You're going to take their phone. You're going to take their credit card out respectfully. And you're going to put in the information B-E-B-R, get yourself a discount, get yourself a Big East shirt. You're going to the Big East tournament. You want to wear a shirt. You don't want to be the guy who has the Creighton Blue Jay, just like everybody else. Go get yourself a shirt, Home Field Apparel, B-E-B-R. Check us out. All right, Big East Barroom fans, to talk about our team of the week, we needed to bring in a special guest off one of the best Big East performances of the season, Mr. DJ Davis going for 28 points against Villanova. DJ, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. Uh, No problem. I'm doing pretty good. So, DJ, you had a heck of a week. Um, Butler beat Georgetown this week and beat Villanova. So we're going to talk quickly about the Georgetown game. Um, you know, you guys were the second most talked about Georgetown game this week, um, considering what Providence and Georgetown did last week. And, you know, you were able to go for 17 points against Georgetown. What was it like, you know, playing at Georgetown? Um, you know, for, was it your first time playing there? Yeah, it was. Um, it, I mean, it was pretty cool. Like, that was my second time playing in an in, in NBA-sized arena. Um, uh, and, again, like, it was, it was a cool experience. Um, it was kind of a bounce-back game for me, being that the, the two prior games I didn't play well. Um, and it was a must-win. It was a must win. So just coming to the game, looking to do anything I can, um, you know, to help our team get the dub. 
DJ, you guys scored 90 points in that game. I think that might be the most points you put up in Big East play. Can you just walk us through, you know, what was clicking about the offense that you guys hit that kind of height that you hadn't hit to this point? I think going into that game, um, coach just emphasized, you know, taking the best shots and that, you know, part of that is sharing the ball, passing the ball, uh, making the right plays, uh, taking the right shots. And I think just going into that game, we emphasized that we were going to do that and we got the result. And DJ, you talked a little bit about your game log is, you know, you have a bunch of high scoring games and then you hit that kind of low in the middle of the season how do you keep that confidence because you come out you know the next this week and quick turkey math here you average 22 points a game how do you keep that confidence or do you ever waver on that um going into that drought I kind of had a little uh, a little self-doubt a little discouraged but I got in the um I got in the gym with one of the coaches who I would consider is is on my level with with being able to shoot the ball and that's John, Coach Diebler, and um one night we just got in the gym and he just kept emphasizing that we don't have off days we don't have off days we don't have bad days which is what I emphasized in the post game interview after the Villanova game, and um uh, leaving to end our workout I had to make twenty threes in a row. And, uh, and I would make 15, miss one, make 18, miss one, make nine, miss one. And when I finally made 20, I ended up shooting 83s and I made 72 of them. So that kind of, you know, boosted my confidence because I wasn't keeping track of that. And um, Deevler emphasized that he was kind of hoping that I didn't shoot my first 20 and go just 20 out of 20. He kind of wanted to see if me missing one would affect me not as much. And then um, I ended up shooting seven against 72 out of 80. So just that alone boosted my confidence. Um, and, you know, just being consistent with that. Because uh, before, like, I wouldn't say that I, was, I wasn't I was in the gym at all, but not nearly as much as I needed to be. So just uh, talking to Diebler and asking him, like, you know, what can I do? things I can improve on? Is it footwork? Is it me not getting uh, the lift? Is it me not holding my follow through? Um, just trying to tweak anything that I can to improve. And once again, he just kept saying, we don't have bad days. He kept telling uh, he kept telling me I'm the best shooter in the nation and just things like that to just, you know, boost my confidence. And that. that's very appreciative. I'm very appreciative of, of him, you know, just taking the time, um, to help me improve and, and tweak right where I need to tweak. Well, clearly it worked because uh, you then turned in one of the best performances of the season against Villanova, um, where you just, you took over a game in a way that, you know, you don't see in college basketball very often. You scored 15 points in the final eight minutes of regulation, and then you scored, what, another eight points in the overtime tie? Do I have that right? So 23 points? I have 18 yeah. points in the last four minutes and 45 seconds um, from that point until the end of second overtime. Um, what's it like to get in a groove like that? Can you can kind of talk about where your mindset was? Um, to be honest, like that, that first half, I didn't play as well. So I thought it was going to be another one of those games where it's like, 
and nothing can fall. And again, like it wasn't just me, it was our entire team just trying to pull it off the basket. Um, but once I see a couple fall, it's like the basket just gets wider and wider and wider. And then I just lose my mind again. Like one of those threes, uh, when I came off the pick off my, uh, off my left hand and like was really close to the line and kind of just threw it in there trying to draw a foul. It went in, and uh, again, like I was trying to f draw a foul. Obviously, I wanted to make it, but my priority in that position was to try to draw a foul because he had his hand in my back. And uh, once I seen that fall, it's like I I just felt like I couldn't miss, and um, every shot after that just felt good, and I felt like I was in a rhythm. DJ, the word that I was going to say, because that three that you threw up where you were trying to draw a foul was heat check, um, because, man, you were you had just started really, you know, you were – willing the team back into the game at some point um i have a question about thad at that point you guys are down 11 points with four minutes and 45 seconds to go one of the things i've noticed this season is thad's disposition he seems just so positive about this team and encouraging what's he saying to you guys in those huddles when it's a double digit game to will you guys to this comeback um one of the timeouts i don't remember if it was first half or second half but we're down we might have been down double digits. If not, we're down like nine. And he just kept telling us, like, we're going to win this. We're going to win this game. We're going to win this game. Just sending positive re uh, just sending positive reinforcements and stuff like that. And I think that goes a long way because, you know, he's not playing in the game. He's – but he's he knows, like, we're a team that we don't give up. No matter what the lead is, like, we're going to fight and we're going to play all 40 minutes. And um, our message going into this game specifically was, and then some, you know, and like this game was 40 minutes and then some. So it was an extra eight minutes after the game. So us just playing every minute, uh, playing with desperation. Um, and um, this this team just has a lot to prove. You know, it's a lot of a lot of um, players on this team who were not picked, you know, uh, probably not picked on to finish on a Big East you know, first or second team or whatever, how those are um, determined. But just a, just a team full of guys who are just, you know, together, willing to fight for one another, willing to make that extra pass or make that extra play. And, um, again, that just goes a long way because we have a lot of belief in, in each other. EJ, at the end of the first overtime, um, Butler was trailing by two points, about 15 seconds on the clock. They called your number, and obviously you sent them to double overtime. Would you walk us through that play? Um, the first, well, the first one uh, was Jaws Dunk, correct? That was in regular, yeah. And then, and then yours was in uh, the end of the first overtime. He got fouled, by the way. He did. He did. He did. So, um, yeah. So even even heading into the end of regulation, like they called my number. Um, they were trying to stop us from getting a three, so they top blocked me. And they had a bigger defender on me, um, and then they they switched our our top flare screen, and I looked at Ja, and I put my hands in the air like they're not gonna let me get the ball, and he had it, and he uh, the guy that was defending him was pressuring him, you know, kind of tough, and I seen he had like an angle, so like I put my hands up and was like just go, and and Ja, um, being that he had you know he has a quick first step, and he's strong drove to the basket and forced it, forced it into overtime. And then we 
kind of drew we kind of messed up the uh the first the overtime play to send into second overtime where it was supposed to be um posh was coming off the double i was gonna um i was supposed to to sell the um the screen uh jt set for me to come back to the ball and i was gonna fly back off the flare in the opposite direction but posh ended up forgetting the play or whatever and then um I think I threw it back to Posh, came back off the flare, and then again he tried to top lock me and uh and chase me over the top of the flare. So I cut back to the ball and then he 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 overplayed me. And again, I I would consider myself to have one of the quickest first steps on the team. Um and I saw that he gave me a driving lane and why not send it to a second overtime? We don't have to win the game right there as long as we have enough time, you know to to place you know to force it to segment overtime so seen a wide open lane took the layup dj one of the things that i've really liked about you know getting to know your story and stuff is you're really active on twitter and butler nation has become kind of alive this year what's in how is the welcome ben from butler nation how's playing in hinkle because you know from three years at uc irvine to now playing in maybe the most famous college basketball arena it seems like they've adopted you and you've adopted them back, which is awesome to see. Um, so coming coming from mid-major, we didn't really have, you know, those social media presences of or, you know, social media interactions. So it's kind of cool to just interact with the fans and um and see the level of appreciation they have for you and vice versa. And um I man, I I I can't even I'm lost for words with the atmosphere here because uh, again, this is like I've played like we played Oregon last year and it was um, I don't think it was sold out, but it was it was close to the same amount of number that um, that Hinkle sells at at or, you know, the average number of attendance. So but I, again, we're the opposing team, so the, the love's not on our side, but just, you know, to to be in an atmosphere where they're cheering for you. You make a shot, you hear everybody explode. It just gives you that adrenaline boost and it makes you kind of feel good about yourself. Um, and I, I just, I, I love playing in Hinkle. I really, I genuinely do. Uh, we're about halfway through Big East play now. Um, can you give us a couple keys uh, for this Butler team to do what they want to do down the stretch and get into the NCAA tournament? What are you guys focusing on and, and what should we be looking for? Um, we don't want to come into any game feeling good. That makes sense. Like we're coming off of, you know, three wins, but that's not enough. Um, we're not satisfied and we want to, uh, we want to keep playing as if we're not satisfied and we still have something to prove. Again, we were picked to finish 10th in the big East. So, uh, we just want to play with that level of desperation and play for each other. Um, keep being unselfish, keep making the right play keep trying to find the hot hand. Um, and then we still have to have that level of tenacity on defense. Um, whether that's, you know, staying in front of the ball, um, rebounding. But again, we just want to, we just want to play uh, the hardest we can play. And you guys have a gauntlet coming up of seeing Creighton at Creighton and playing UConn at UConn. So you guys get a win or two in there. I think you're going to be on the right side of the bubble. So we're wishing you all the luck. Appreciate you guys. I got one more question, DJ. Anybody got more range than you in the country? 
No. Not even close. Not even close. Best shooter in the country. <laughs> Love to see it. DJ, thank you so much for hopping on with us and talking about your week. You're the hero of Butler right now. Enjoy it. Get some rest. And we'll see you against Creighton on Friday. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, of course. All right. And that wraps up all 11 teams for week 12 of the Big East Barroom podcast. Want to give a huge shout out to DJ Davis for joining us. Um, been a lot of fun to watch him this year, and we hope to watch him for a long time. DJ was awesome. Um, one of the things I told him, and you know, you've just listened to this, is that I love the way he interacts with the people on Twitter. Um, I think you really get to know a fan base by <laughs> interacting with the sickos who are all on Twitter, um, who are all around that, because those are the most diehard fans, and DJ's in there. Every time we tweet something out positive about Butler or DJ or anything like that, he's liking it, he's retweeting it. So give DJ a follow. Um, he actually just retweeted this um, episode. Um, that we were going to have him on. So give him a follow. And Rye, you have officially jinxed the Lions. So do you want to, before we hang up, do you want to take uh, an apology tour to all our Detroit fans? Yeah, I'm lucky there's uh, no Big East school in Detroit because I don't think I made any friends. But this really screwed me as well if you're a Lions fan. So you should commiserate. Who but is um the closest school to them? Do you think Creighton? No, no way Nebraska's closest to there. No way, Ryan. Why would you say that? Tyler no showing way. off his geography skills to close out week 12 of the Big East Barroom podcast. As always, thanks for pulling up a stool.